the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. I'm so excited about today's message, and yet I'm a little nervous about giving it. You'll notice we're in our series on the ABCs of character building. And when we talk about that subject, we're now at a section now on the topic of orderliness. And the reason I'm a little nervous is because when you speak on the subject of orderliness, some people often will think that maybe their mate or their mom or their dad or their kids perhaps have called me and said, you need to speak on helping my kids get their room cleaned up. You need to help my husband clean off the lanai, you know, so give them a message. Well, I want you to know that no one in this church has called me. I did not climb over your fence and look in your backyard. I haven't looked at your desk. I haven't looked in the trunk of your car. But I do know that the Bible does have a lot to say about orderliness. The second reason I was a little nervous about presenting this message today is because some of you might read into this message that this is just a list of do's and don'ts and how to be orderly. There's a little bit in there, but I don't want you to get all of that. I want you to go much deeper than that. I want to share with you about the orderliness of our sovereign God. And since He is orderly and that He does things in an orderly fashion, that real orderliness is godly. It is a biblical character trait of God Himself who now lives within us so we too can achieve that orderliness. And then finally, some of you... You know, there are a lot of books. You can go to Barnes & Nobles or Borders, or if you want to, you can go online to Amazon and just punch in such things as books on orderliness or even time management. And those of you can easily do that, and you're going to find a lot of good practical suggestions. But often those suggestions only last as long as we're perhaps reading that book. But true orderliness can really come from a transformation character within us. And that's where I want us to go today because I believe that when we buy into the concept of orderliness and we understand biblical orderliness found in the person of God, the Godhead, then we now have a greater passion to become orderly because it's like the first song we sung. It's an offering to the Lord. So many people hear offering, they think of money, but really offering has to do with our life that we're giving it back to the Lord. And He gave to us Himself orderly. He gave us His Word orderly. And so now we give back ourselves in an orderly fashion to Him because His orderliness can live inside of us when we trusted Christ as Savior. And you know, if you just pause for a moment and think about what this world would be like if the orderliness of God would be pulled out of it. This world would quickly deteriorate into horrific confusion and the rest of life. And so we know that orderliness is really found in His Word. You know, you find 
that when you talk to people about orderliness, they really like to have people get their lives in order. In fact, when you talk to people in counseling, some of the greatest things you hear about relationship killers happens to be how that other person lives their life. And you might hear such things as, my mate is so sloppy, or my husband just needs to put things away. Now, we're doing that in marriage, but some of you parents are saying, I wish my son would just get his act together and get more orderly. I wish my daughter would, whatever it might be. Well, what I'd like for us to do today is instead of so much thinking about our mates and our loved ones and other people in our world that need to get more orderly, why don't we for just a moment look at our own life and say, Lord, am I as orderly as you would have me to be? Have I really allowed your orderliness to take control in my life so I can become more like you? Now, maybe you would like to take a little quiz on this so that it's not so much about others and see how well you are doing in orderliness. Here's question number one. Do I collect things that have little or no future use and store them in my garage, carport, attic, closet, storage shed, rental unit, empty bedroom, or on my lanai? Now, you don't have to raise your hand on that one, okay? Number two, do I keep my space clear, especially if it is an irritant to others? Now, that could be your desk or maybe your little personal world, whatever it might be. Number three, Oh, this is a this is a this will get us. Can I find things easily? Now I know in the masculine context we can have everything orderly and we still can't find things. But in reality, think of how much time we might waste looking for things because we're disorderly. Question number five Do I use things only for their intended purpose? Or things so much out of array that I just have to pick up a shoe sometimes to nail in a nail in the wall to hang a picture? And number six, and I won't go much longer because we'll be so convicted we won't want to hear the rest of this message. Can I make a schedule and stick to it? Now think about that. Can I make a reasonable schedule and with a certain degree of godly discipline keep to it? Now I don't want to give a disclaimer for this, but at the same time I want to be realistic. We all live in a real world that sometimes we would keep things more orderly. We would have a more orderly schedule. But sometimes our very personality works against us. There are some people that they are so hardwired that everything is so orderly that they carry different colored pens in their top pocket. So they, if they ever need that color, it's right there. You look at their desk, everything is in order the way that it should be perhaps for them. All you've got to do is cock one of their pencils in the wrong direction or go into their room and kind of tilt one of their pictures and watch how they go absolutely berserk. So you can be very orderly but not spirit control because then you take it out on other people for them making your world so disorderly. So I want you to be careful with that. And the other is this, that sometimes you can do such a great job as things just happen. Life happens. Can I hear an amen on that? And so sometimes no matter how orderly you really are, things can get out of your control. And we realize that. So even with this message, all we're trying to do now is to understand the orderliness of God to some measure in the short amount of time that I have, the seriousness of Him being in order, and the fact that He lives His life within us. And let's do a checkup from the neck up on our own aspect of offering our orderliness back to Him and asking Him to breathe back into us His orderliness toward us. Well, I think this is important because it is a part of worship. So let's now begin looking at what does the word orderliness really mean? So I went back to a standard desk dictionary because the world, let's face it, they do recognize the importance of orderliness, even though they may not always live it out. And the desk dictionary says this, orderliness is having regard for arrangement or being characterized by neatness and order. So even the world will recognize order and orderliness. 
although we know that all of that truly has its root in God. And then I went to Noah Webster's dictionary, the first dictionary of the American language, and here's what he said in a very simple phrase. He said, orderliness is nothing more than regularity and the state of being methodical. Now, I know you can have a compulsive, obsessed personality and you can be just as methodical and just as regular, but we're talking about in a normal sense. Now, I went into Vine's expository dictionary of New Testament words, and there were so many of them that I went to another Greek scholar who himself is Greek, Spiros Odiades. I wanted to go a little bit deeper because there were so many words that refer to the concept of orderliness. Now, I'm not here trying to wow you with the Greek word, how to pronounce the Greek word, but I am here trying to help us understand that the idea of orderliness is much bigger than sometimes we really see it to be about God. Well, one word is a word that's found in Luke chapter 1, verse 8 that says it means to arrange or to draw up in order. And they used the example of that word when they were selecting priests in the Old Testament, that there was an arrangement for that. It went on to say it means, same word, to lack confusion in a church. thought that was interesting that God wants things done decently in an order. And you see our verses at the top of your outline. Another Greek word is a word that means it's a military term denoting a company or a class. That things are done in rank, in order. And frankly, when I think of orderliness, my mind immediately goes back to military. That they do things in a very orderly fashion. And you know why they have to do that? So everybody knows their part and how that we can win battles and wars and a lot of other things. And perhaps we could learn a lot from the military. And maybe they could learn a little bit of grace from us. Let's go to number three. A third word would be to arrange details in order. Another one means to appoint or give orders to. thought that was interesting. Sometimes an order is like a command, but in reality that idea of command or orders come with a particular priority set, that there are details that come together. So it's an order that's surrounding orderliness. And then you have another word. It means the, to set right again in what was in disorder. Now here's what I'd like to suggest to you. Since we don't live with a brand new, brand new slate that we now have to build orderliness, what we might have to do from this message is to humble ourselves like God would want us to underneath the mighty hand of God and His Word and say, Yes, Lord, I, I do know things are out of order. I, 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 I'm, I'm real. I know some of these things I cannot control. But I'm willing to admit there, are a lot here, there is a lot here in my life that's out of order. And so, Lord, today I want you to help me to make order out of disorder. I need your power. I certainly need your wisdom to know how to do this. And so since you're the God of order and you live inside of me, I'm exchanging my disorder for your order to have help. All right, another word is a word that's used more frequently. It's the word cosmios, and it means adornment, modest, and even good behavior. And that's interesting because it seems to indicate that good behavior is a part of orderliness. And orderliness really is a part of good behavior. And it also means adornment and modesty. And you'll see that a little bit later on. And the final Greek word means to live according to any rule or duty. I thought that's interesting because it's not just being orderly based on my standards. Watch this. Sometimes orderliness means that I have to submit to those who are over me. And I need to submit to how they want me to be orderly in what I do from getting reports in on time to how I might do my work and a lot of other things. So it's a part of also following a list or a, or, or a duty roster, we might say, in an orderly manner. 
Now, I need to pause at this point and one more time remind us, we're not talking about being orderly in the flesh. We're not talking about getting angry at other people for, being, for them helping us to become disorderly. It's about us sensing that we need to have God's order back into our life, and it starts from the inside out, and Lord, we need your help. So let's make sure that we don't make this some man-made list of legalism. But at the same time, let's not throw it so far out that we now take grace way beyond where God wants that grace to be. That grace is to teach us to deny ungodliness, which disorderly often is ungodliness or has the result of ungodliness, but to teach us to live righteously. And righteously sometimes means in our life some order that needs to come back into it. Now here's a definition that I put together that might work for you to take all those and kind of put it together under one. So orderliness would be organizing and taking care of myself. You can see it up on the screen. Orderliness is organizing and taking care of myself and the possessions God has entrusted to me in order to achieve greater efficiency. I know that all of us would like to get more things done during the day. We would like to get things more done at the end of the week. We'd like to have orderliness even in our finances, perhaps orderliness in our health. And so we want to have greater efficiency. So it does mean organizing and take care, taking care of ourselves and our positions that, possessions that God has entrusted to us. Maybe, if you will, for just a moment, reflect on this. Everything you have has been given to you by an orderly God. He gave you an orderly body. He's given you an orderly book, the Bible. He himself has given you himself an orderly Godhead. So he has provided all that was necessary for us to be orderly. And all of this now he has put in trust with us so that we now give it back to him as an offering of making things right with him. So now, how is orderliness illustrated in Scripture? Do you remember last week, those of you that had the opportunity to go with us on our Bible bus through Scripture? Well, the Bible bus is back, and I'd like you to hop on it again, and let's take you through Scripture one more time, just kind of an overview as we whiz by some of the concepts of God's orderliness found in Scripture. And I hope that you would be blessed by this little trip that we're going to take. Perhaps the beginning of orderliness would be found in creation. Now, we don't have time to unpack the what, why we believe that we are creationists. But we do know enough from science to convince us with faith that there is order in God's creation. And so you can look all through creation and see how wonderful it is. Just look at your body. Look at parts of your body, like the human eye. Think about the human brain. Think about how that we're formed just in the humanness of us as a human being. And then you put that into the world of nature where we can assimilate and food and take in things. Now, all of it works together in one great order. And then we can move down the chain here in time and move into the areas we see God in the Old Testament with even Moses. How very orderly he had given the law to Moses. How he set up how these people should set up camp, break camp, move camp, reset up camp again. Everything they did was in an orderly fashion. And those of you who know your Bible remember the one time that they had taken the ark much later in history and they did not move it properly and the very people carrying that ark when it began to tip they died because they carried it in a disorderly way and so we see orderliness that God started us out orderly now man has fallen and brought disorderliness and then he sets us up again by telling us what order is all about by just giving us a visual of the Old Testament of the children of Israel traveling in an orderly fashion through the desert and that's just one snapshot we fast forward our Bible bus, we kind of put it on uh, nitro and we go into the time of Nehemiah, if you remember. 
Now we have this beautiful temple that was built and then we see it torn down and now he's rebuilding the walls around it. And as he's about to build this temple, if you recall what he had to do, he had to build this wall in a very orderly fashion and so he stationed various families to take care of this side of the wall and that side of the wall and this side of the wall and this side of the wall. He stationed others along with Ezra to have certain singers to dedicate the wall. Everything was done in an orderly fashion. And then when they were confronted with something out of their control called an enemy that would come against them, that would now shove disorderliness at them. He then very orderly told them how to handle it. He divided his men. Half of the men then would be actual warriors standing guard. The other half of the men would be those that would build the wall. But he knew that wasn't enough. So in an orderly fashion, he says, you men now, you hold a trowel in one hand as you build the wall. And you hold a sword in another hand in an orderly fashion. And they built the wall. And through their faith and the orderliness with which they did this and followed a leader who was orderly, the wall was built in record time to the glory of God and to the chagrin of the enemies. And so we see that in Nehemiah's time. We move into the New Testament and we see how orderliness comes with Jesus himself. How he gives his disciples clear instructions about priorities. And he says, now you disciples, you that know Christ as Savior. He says, you seek first the kingdom of God, not seek Christ and something else. Seek first. There's a priority. And then he says, all these things will be added unto you. And if you look through the writings of Christ, you're going to see the Beatitudes and all laid out in a very orderly fashion. And listen, folks, listen. The deeper you get into the Word, the more you read it in its totality you're going to see this wonderful tapestry of orderliness of God. But it's not just to reveal His orderliness. It's to reveal God Himself. And orderliness is so much a part of it. That's the beauty of it all. Well, we go a little bit further past the days of Christ and we move into the time of Paul. And you're going to see how again he talks about how that the church needs to be orderly. But then he goes back and he shows how the human body is put together in an orderly fashion. So God made the body orderly. God wants the church orderly. And again, it's in an orderly fashion. So again, we can take you from the beginning all the way now and you move into the New Testament and then into the book of Revelation to the future. You're going to see what the future is going to look like. It begins and ends and forever will be orderly when God, watch this, when God is in control. When man is in control, you're going to see nothing but confusion, frustration, and disorderliness. Because Satan himself is the confusing one, the liar, the manipulator, the intimidator, the murderer, and full of nothing but confusion. He personifies confusion. And I'm wondering how much Satan has influenced my life when I look at the areas that might have disorderliness in it. Well, that's our little Bible bus. Let me give you some pegs so that you might meditate on just a few here. So first of all, there is orderliness in the persons of the Godhead. We've talked about that, and I wanted you to see it a little bit more in His character, nature, and essence. You're going to see where Jesus says, the Father and I are one, so there's order. You don't see the Father and the Son arguing. You don't see them going off in different tangents. You don't see them having different purposes and visions for life. We don't see them operating differently. They don't give a mixed message. They are orderly in the Godhead in their character, nature, and essence. You see they have a plan and providence are in order. Jesus said to them, My Father has been working until now, and I have been working. Working in the sense that there is a job to do, a purpose to be fulfilled, and we are both working at it. And I'd like to add this, because they're one, watch this, they're working at it together. Now let me pause for a moment on a little P.S., 
I'm wondering sometimes that although that we need to take responsibility for our own level of orderliness, that sometimes in a family that while we maybe can only organize our own world, how much happier and better it would be if we can come alongside others in our family and together like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit operate in orderliness and together project a family that has God who is in order in our family just like we see it in the Godhead. And then finally, orderness, orderliness with the Godhead and how it is worked out. Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, we are orderly together. I speak these things. And He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please Him. In other words, what I do is vitally connected in a relationship to my Father. And so orderliness, doing things together, is in vital connection with one another. I need you to hear that again. That we might be able to in some way, in some measure, control our own world, which we should, and we ought not to condemn and criticize others. There's still that natural and perhaps even right to analyze the weaknesses of others, but for the purpose of coming alongside them to help them. And maybe we can, just like God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, as they are together, we as a family can be together. We as a marital couple can be together. A single mom with the kids together. Grandparents together. Church together. Teams together. Maybe in your world at work, if you've got a Christian team, it'll be easier to work it out there. The second will be there is orderliness in his creation. I've given you a lot of verses that cover what we covered on our Bible bus trip. But I think you can see that a little bit in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through chapter 2, verse 10. The verses that follow that are found in Scripture, not in your outline. Here it talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 38 through 41. It talks about things are in order in the celestial, in the sky. Things are in order in the terrestrial, in the earth. Now, if you will, maybe come up for air just a little bit. If I had more time to preach this message, and for some of you that are homeschooling parents, you might want to take what I'm sharing right now on the creation of the celestial heavenly and show them mathematically and scientifically how that the celestial, that would be the stars and all above the sky, that that is all put together mathematically so everything is held together by God's equation. And then you bring it into the world today with the human body as well. How that together, we work better together. Have any of you at any time have broken an arm? Has anyone broken an arm? Have you ever tried to tie a tie or to button buttons or to do something when you have a broken arm? Our body needs to work together in an orderly fashion. And that would be the terrestrial. And then you can bring in the whole world of animals and botany and all of that. But I wanted you again to see that that's in creation. God made it in an orderly fashion, how important that is. And then we see there is orderliness in God's placement of boundaries and commands. I think this is important for us to know that God never asks us or commands us to do something that would put us into a disorder. He would never expect something out of us that He doesn't give us the ability to perform for His glory. So His commands are right and yea and amen. And when we follow those according to His will, in His power, for His glory, in faith, Using his love, those commands actually bring order out of disorder. And I show you two areas here. The first one here, it says, But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is man, the head of Christ is God. So if I can make it in simple language, part of the order of the system here that God has put together as he wants things done in a very, very timely manner, correctly together, you'll have God, you'll have Christ, you'll have man, you'll have woman. Now in many ways we're going to see them in their equality, but in certain times, you're going to see them operate a little bit differently, showing order in a system and yet seeing equal in importance. 
All right? So I want you to see that there are boundaries in this, and God has set up human government, He set up the family, and He set up the church. And I wish I had time to unpack all three of those again, but even human government is set up in a way that's supposed to be done appropriately, with order. And actually, human government happens to be God's instruments to help protect us and provide for order for us. Let me share with you, if I look a little bleary-eyed today, Carol and I had an unusual thing that we thank the Lord doesn't happen very often. Last night I was in bed about 2 o'clock and I heard a car, and those of you that know, we live up the valley, Kulio'o, and um, I heard a car roaring through the neighborhood. And I thought, that's very interesting. I don't hear cars roar. We're on a dead-end street, you know. And then I heard a thud, and I'm wondering what's happening. And then it started to rain. I mean, just really rain. And so I let it go, but it sounded weird because I didn't hear the rain go through the gutters and not out. And I thought, what in the world is happening here? So I said, Carol, I'm going to go check this out. So I went downstairs, and I went on our back lanai, and I looked out, and down toward the water, I saw a 40-foot geyser of water shooting up into the sky. So I went inside, and I said, Carol, come on down. You've got to see that. You have got to see this. So she comes down, and she's looking, and her first reaction was, wow, that's such a beautiful fountain someone put in. I said, darling, that's not a fountain. There's a problem in someone's backyard. And, of course, she's different. She can go upstairs and go right to bed. I'm not. I'm like a cat. I'm going to lose one of my nine lives. So I put on street clothes, you know, and I head down the block, and I have to see what's happened. What had happened is a car lost control and hit a fire hydrant, ran over it, shoved it a half a block, and the water is shooting up. And now you've got EMS there. You've got the, uh, the, the fire department is there. Police are now surrounding the area. And for the next hour and a half, I'm watching them try to figure out how to bring the water back down and do all the rest. And here's what I, and I say this in jest, and I'll go back to my real part of my illustration. I've never seen so many people out at night at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning driving their cars drunk. Seriously. The cars were lining up. The designated drivers were there, very quiet, waiting to make sure they probably didn't get caught if they had some alcohol. But the people in their car were, woohoo, yahoo, yahoo. They're going wild in this car, waiting for this to happen. Figure out what's going to be next. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.